From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 58. Today's show is brought to you by Smile, Fracture, and Igloo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well. And also by a, I'm sure, much relieved Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, fellow travelers. How is your quality of life these days? Um, I would say it is acceptable. I'm recovering yeah. from the past three months of riding. It's time to go to the beach house. I don't know. See, my, my dad uh, removed all the fancy comforts of the summer because we cannot go in the in the in the winter you know uh, I, I would go there but i would miss my chair i would miss my tv you yeah, know that doesn't it's sound really like a good scenario anymore no it's not a good scenario it's really a thing that we do from june to september so now the time is over see you next june beach wow. house look at that so he's yeah. turned the beach house basically into like a storage unit is what you're saying yes that's what it does in the, in the winter it just it <laughs> goes there and it removes all the all the greatest aspects of having a uh, you know the glamping beach house. Yeah. So where do they go? So where do the things go? Inside, right. like just inside, it's a mess. They just go inside. You cannot you cannot even enter the house because it's like full of chairs and stuff. It's all piled up. Yeah, it's hmm. good. It's good to know. We're going to start off this episode this week with something new. Uh, we are going to institute maybe the first ever follow in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is. Can you explain what it is? Yeah. So a couple of days ago, uh, CGP Gray, host of Cortex on Relay FM, sent me an image with uh, a highlight from your review in it, and he demanded, actually said mm-hmm. demanded, I demand to know why Federico does this. And the is he image, curious? Does he want to steal my tricks? I have what no idea. But he. Okay. But as soon as he sent it, I felt exactly the same way. Um, so. He highlighted a, a sentence from your review where you're talking mm-hmm. about, I assume, notification center and widgets and, and that kind of stuff. And you said, for example, I use the do button app every night before sleep to tell my girlfriend the exact time <laughs> I went to bed with an email. That yes. is what he wanted to know. And this is follow in because he is another host and would like this question to be asked on the show. Mm-hmm. So both me and Stephen have our own theories about what this is, and Steve and I will allow you to go first, and Federico, you can provide us with the answer as to why you need to send an email every evening uh, to your lovely Sylvia to tell her why you're going to bed. Okay. I would imagine that our theory might be similar in that it is well documented that Federico does not sleep enough, and he sleeps at awkward times to be living where he lives, and my thought is that this is a little accountability uh, to, to prove that you are going to bed at a uh, at a reasonable time, maybe you guys have some time set upon that. If you go past that, you get in trouble. I don't know. I, I feel like it's an accountability system of sorts. No, close enough. I was Mike? thinking it was either that or it's a uh, a way of tracking your health, which she does, and mm. or so she knows that she shouldn't wake you up when she gets up, right? Because if she sees Almost. that you went to bed at six a.m. And she wakes up at nine. Maybe not wake Federico. You, you, Mike. You, you get closer to the, to the problem. Okay. Uh, it, it's a combination of both, but you you're missing one essential aspect. Is that my girlfriend is a normal person, yep. and I'm lazy. So, I don't know. I don't want to be woken up by an alarm. 
either from my phone or from my watch. I like to be woken up by my girlfriend with a smile and a cup of espresso. Uh, yeah, that's I, how. Uh, <laughs> that's how I like to be woken. Yeah, so what's yeah. the problem here? Because I go to bed, as Steven said, I go to bed at unusual times. My girlfriend does not. Uh, she usually, I mean, she usually goes to sleep at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. She doesn't go to bed at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. like I do because I'm working. Um, she, she doesn't have to go to an office in the morning, so she, but she still likes to wake up at around 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So what I do is for many years, I, she had to guess when I went to bed. And that was a problem uh, because it, it meant that I could, you know, uh, be woken up with four to five hours of sleep. And I cannot function if I don't sleep at least six hours. Seven hours is my, you know, is how I feel best during the day. But I need to sleep at least six hours. So for many, for many years, we were searching for a system so I could tell her in, a, in an unobtrusive fashion when was the exact time that I, was, that I was going to sleep, that I was going to bed. And the best way to do that, we, we found out, was to use the IFTTT app um, because it sends a precise timestamp of when I'm going to bed. So every morning she doesn't wake up to, to notifications because she doesn't keep notifications for her email. Uh, she just op opens the, the mail app, she sees the timestamp and she does the math. She lets me sleep six to seven hours and then she wakes me up at the best time for me with the kind of waking up scenario that I like, uh, which is her waking me up <laughs> with an espresso and breakfast. Um, I love my girlfriend very much. I need to have I think this we all do now. She's amazing and she knows me very well. Um, I try to, various techniques, I try to be woken up by the, by the iPhone's alarm. doesn't work because it just makes me angry. Uh, I tried the, the various sleep trackers for iPhone. Uh, they do the kind of, I'll wake you up at the best time for you. But I really, I really just want to be woken up by another person. And that person yeah. happens to be my girlfriend, who does know how to make me happy. Um, so yeah, that's why I use this app. It's a very, it's a, it's a, and even, you know, I told you that I'm lazy. The best part is I just need to press a button in the widget to send an email. Mm -hmm. So before putting, putting up my, my phone in the charger, which is the very last thing that I do before sleeping. I can just open notification center or the app. It doesn't matter. I tap, I send my, hey, I'm going to bed right now email and I'm done. It's, a, it's the only way that I don't forget. We get the, the timestamp of when I'm going to bed. She knows how much I need to sleep and everybody's happy. I mean, I guess she's happy. She has to wake me up with this whole system every morning. Uh, I should probably ask her if she's happy. I guess she <laughs> is. Uh, or maybe she's just, she's just learned how to accept it. I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, that's why, CGP. I, I really like the, the combination of technology and espresso delivery that you've created into this workflow. <laughs> yeah, you're like Doc, like Doc Brown. You know, like he has whatever <laughs> happens at the start of Back to the Future that makes his breakfast. Yeah, yeah, it's it like pours that. the yeah, yeah. It's a, a Rube Goldberg machine involving a person and a button in an app. I have to say though, Federico, that 
I, whilst not having a system like you do, agree with many of the things that you do. So every morning <laughs> before Adina leaves for work, she does wake me up. Uh, and then See? we just have a system where she'll wake me up and then say, do you need to sleep more? And then I will say yes. And then she will assist me in setting an alarm whilst I'm tired. Or I wake up. Like this morning, I woke up and we walked together to the shops where I bought some milk so I could drink some coffee in the morning. And so I am very much like you in that I don't like... uh, Alarms annoy me and my quality of life has improved significantly in that I don't have to be woken up by alarms anymore and I can be woken up by a human being. That is a big, big difference in my life. So I agree with you completely. But just that entire... I I actually don't think I've ever loved you more than I love you right now uh, because that that was so much more than I expected it to be. So I, I would also like to thank Gray for providing this follow-in which has created probably the best moment to ever occur on this show so i'm 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 very peculiar with my morning routine and habits and in fact the only the only the few times that i forgot to to put my phone in silent mode let me tell you how much i hate getting phone calls in the morning um when i was having treatments um few years ago, my oncologist uh, learned not to call me in the morning because I told her, please never call me in the morning because I'm sleeping. And if you wake me, I have a very strange relationship with my oncologist. She's more of a friend, really. Uh, But she knew uh, and she told other doctors and the nurses in the department not to call me, not to call Federico in the morning because he won't pick up. If he does pick up, he's another person completely. So please don't call him in the morning. Uh, a few days ago, I got, a, I got a telemarketing phone call in the morning. And um, I woke up because the ringtone wakes me up every time. And was a very nice lady, I'm sorry, from British Telecom. I don't know how they got my number, but they wanted to make me uh, an offer. So she started talking real fast. And I was like, uh-huh, yes, what, what's up? And she said, we want to give you this offer. And I, I was half asleep, half awake. And I told her, is this an offer? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, thank you, but no. And I just hanged up the phone. And I later realized that I was very rude to the lady. She she was just doing her job. Mm-hmm. But really, if the, I can be terrible if I don't sleep enough. And so I devised this entire system and I try to always put everything to silent mode so I can wake up in a gentle mood, ready for the day ahead. And using the help of scripts and, you know, recipes, whatever, uh, this is a perfect combo of the human aspect, the, the teachy aspect of, you know, automating this sort of process. So I'm happy. It works for me. I think we can just end the show there. Yes. Yeah, so thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <we'd- laughs> Let me take a break and then we'll actually do some real follow-up. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Smile. We love Smile and Smile love podcasts and they know that everybody loves a deal. So Smile is offering 20% off new licenses of their amazing products for listeners of this show. All you need to do is go and buy from them direct before October 15th. You've heard us speak about all of their great products in the past and if for any reason you've been holding off, now is the time to buy. And this isn't something that they do very often, so you should definitely be taking advantage of this opportunity. You can save yourself, for example, 
20% on PDF Pen, the all-purpose Mac PDF editor. It lets you easily add signatures, text, or images to PDFs. You can make changes and correct typos, have your documents OCR scanned, export in Microsoft Word format, and so much more. Or what about 20% off PDF Pen Pro, which adds additional functionality on top, like uh, to allow you to make interactive forms, build tables of contents, or convert web pages to PDFs. You could also save yourself 20% off Text Expander, the glorious app that lets you save time and lets you save from overworking your fingers or your keyboard. You can effortlessly expand custom keyboard shortcuts into frequently used text and pictures. This app, for me, I believe, is an essential tool for any Mac owner. Smile have been such a fantastic supporter of this show since the very beginning, and you can help support them and us by buying one of their amazing products today. All you need to do is go to smilesoftware.com slash connected or use the coupon code connected at checkout. These discounts are only available directly from Smile, not from the Mac App Store, of course. Discounts do not apply to ebooks or upgrades. And don't forget, this offer is only available until October 15th, 2015. Thank you so much to Smile for their continued support of this very show. Steven, hit me with your follow-up. I'll hit you with some follow-up, starting with the iPad Pro and uh, the apps that could come about with this new hardware with the pencil and everything. Uh, This was a theme in our follow-up this week. Matt won the Who Gets Pasted Into the Document Challenge, so... uh, Matt works in video post-production in Hollywood, and he says that people are always talking about how we'll be eventually editing on iPads, and he's tried iMovie, Adobe's got an app, uh, Avid had one, and he says they're fine, but he thinks the interaction isn't the problem. He thinks the problem is storage. So I'm going to quote his email now because he's got some impressive numbers in it that I think are important to our conversation. Uh, every professional video editor works with some kind of media storage that could range from a portable Lacie external drive to an 8-bay Thunderbolt RAID all the way up to a 48-terabyte fiber channel system supporting like six editing machines at once. That's the system he uses. So big data, fast I.O. is really important in this. And I've experienced this a little bit helping my brother with his documentaries that if you're dealing with video very quickly, hard drive space and speed become an issue uh being able to get your files to your computer quickly and reliably and access to various other editors is a very complicated problem and uh the mac is well suited to solve this problem right it's got ethernet it's got thunderbolt it's got a finder um and i don't think that i think like this issue is one of those de- one of those things that divides iOS from OS 10. And I just don't see them really uh, being willing to tackle this sort of problem. Like having hours of HD video on Dropbox is not a solution for real people. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, not just about hardware or thought that that's, that's a very big problem, but even if you just look at software, you mentioned the finder on OS 10, and that's the biggest argument in favor of using a Mac when it comes to moving a bunch of, heavy files around and organizing these files in projects. Uh, The file management in iOS, in spite of the improvements over the past two years with document providers and extensions uh, and the iCloud Drive app in iOS 9, is still 
you know, miles and miles away from the experience that you get on a Mac. The iCloud Drive app, um, as I wrote in, a, in, a, in my iOS 9 review, is mostly an embarrassment uh, because of, the, of how much it lacks compared to, not necessarily the Finder, because I, I wouldn't expect Apple to bring a full Finder to the iPad, but even when you compare that to the features for document management and sharing that you get in other apps from competitors on, on iOS, such as Dropbox or Microsoft, uh, and even Google. So when it comes to working with files on external storage, uh, I wonder if the iPad Pro with the smart connector could lead to a new generation of external storage units. Um, you know, it can, the, the smart connector is used for keyboards right now, but I wonder if it could be used in some way, maybe with a cable, I don't know, uh, to, you know, to transfer data and power to an external drive. But when it comes to software, Apple, Apple really needs to, to, you know, to ship a better app to manage files and a better system across every app installed on iOS. Because right now it's fine if you want to move a bunch of PDFs uh, or a bunch of Word documents around, but really I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you, I wouldn't advise you to keep several gigabytes worth of, worth of movie files on your iPad because it's, the experience is just not going to be the same kind of experience that you demand and you expect from a Mac. So we need a lot of improvements in every aspect, I think. On an infinite time scale, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's it's never going to happen, but I think there's significant work that would need to happen for it to be possible. But um, I thought it was good feedback. It's something that we didn't really touch on uh, directly, so uh, I think it's good. Um, I've also got some feedback about... Uh, the A9X, which is the processor at the heart of the iPad Pro, it seems to be that uh, getting closer and closer to, to where the MacBook is as far as performance. Apple is talking about des desktop-class CPUs, console-class GPUs, and uh, yeah, so so uh, Remain wrote in uh, thinking that, hey, you know, is it time that... um the A9X or some, you know, child or grandchild of it, you know, move into the Mac. Um, and it, it was interesting, you know, Apple compared the A9X and the iPad Pro, the, the ship, uh, to the shipping PCs, saying that the iPad Pro is faster than whatever it was, 90% of portable uh, PCs shipped. Um, clearly, Apple's talking about it sort of while not talking about it. But I, I really think that... Um, the uh, the time is coming where Apple could build an ARM chip fast enough for a low end Mac. They're not going to be able to build an ARM chip right now that you know can replace a MacBook Pro or a Mac Pro. But you know the MacBook with its little Intel Core M, not a very fast machine, and surely an ARM uh, system would be well e uh, well equipped for a a machine like that. But I think the problems that we talked about whenever it was a year ago when this came up, I think those problems are still there where things like virtualization and bootcamp would suffer. Uh, I don't see Apple wanting to split their Mac line by processor type long-term. So when they went from PowerPC to Intel, which you guys were children, you don't remember it. Um, it happened in about <sighs> eight months. <laughs> it was very quickly done. It was not a strategy to say we're going to have 
PowerPC Max, we're going to have Intel Max. They they got through that as quickly as they could. And they can't do that with ARM right now. And so I don't I really don't think they're going to start doing this if they ever do it until they've they've got the runway saying, "Hey, we know that we could build a 27-inch Retina iMac with ARM chips within a year." And until that day comes, I just don't I just don't see this being possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? The assumption is if they're going to do an ARM CPU for a Mac, they're still going to use OS 10. They're not going to use they're not going to put iOS on the Mac Correct. just because they're using the ARM CPU. I guess it in theory it makes sense, right? Because they want to move the CPU production to the same line that they use for iOS devices which are super successful. And I and I and assuming that OS 10 is going to stay on those possible machines, I still wonder if if they're going to do it, if they're going to use some kind of a inspiration, let's just say, from iOS and bringing it over to OS 10. And I wonder if what's the reason to do that? Uh, because innovation moves faster in the ARM CPU line. I feel like I'm not best equipped to talk about this particular well, aspect. I, I would have thought it's because Apple have more control over it, right? That's the reason that if they were ever going to do it, that's why they would do it. And the reason that they're able to make such great products with the iOS devices is that they control the whole thing and they can build the hardware and software together in harmony, where with the laptops, they're waiting on Intel. On like you know, on the mm-hmm. desktop machines, they're waiting on Intel right now. Intel are late with their chip design, so the, that basically holding up any new revisions that Apple have for their products. So I assume that that would be the reason they would do it, because then they have control of the whole stack. Stephen, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, like you said, these there's a lot of like MacBook Pros and iMac updates and everything that have been rumored, but Intel is is slipping on the on the ship dates for those those chips. I do think control is is one of the big factors, but I think too if if this comes with a big trade off in uh, power consumption, then they can either make their machines last longer, or what they will probably do is make everything thinner and lighter. And I think there's a lot of things about the MacBook that Apple likes that it is um, fanless, that it is you know silent to operate. It is basically uh, an iPad you know with, with <laughs> running OS 10 except for the the Intel chip and that and that system wasn't even possible until the core M uh, was in such a shape that Apple could use it I, I think controls a lot of it and I think too Apple Apple does care about the experience so things like like the temperature that the machines run at the battery like I'm, that, I'm sure they want to get fans out of everything. Uh, but it does come with a cost, and you know, losing virtualization would be a big deal. You know, right now you can run Windows on a Mac natively. That's a really big deal for a lot of users, and I'm not saying that would stop Apple, but I think that is a strong consideration uh, or strong thing to consider if you're Apple looking at that. And uh, so I, I just don't know. I mean. I could see them doing it, but I would really, they would have to convince me that it was the right choice for a bunch of other reasons. Because I would be upset about virtualization. I think a lot of people would be. Yep. And uh, and I'd be upset if if I couldn't buy a 
as powerful a machine as I can as I can buy now. And and splitting the product line long term, like I said, doesn't make sense. I think that's confusing to customers. I mean, I was um uh you know, I was a Mac user during that transition and even though I, you know, knew what I was doing and on top of it, you know, it's like, well, is this app universal? Will it run on both? Is this Power BC only? Well, it's okay, I can use it in Rosetta until they they take that away. And there was there was all of this like little details you had to worry about really for years after that, really until Snow Leopard, the, the sort of stuff all went away. Um, and it came with real cost. You know, Leopard, uh, so, so Tiger had a PowerPC and an Intel version. So you, you had to know which one to buy when you went in the store, which was crazy. Um, and then Leopard was universal and Leopard was huge. I mean, one reason Snow Leopard was so much smaller and they touted that, uh, it was not but hey the install is so much smaller it's the the OS is, has lost gigabytes yeah because they stripped all the power pc stuff out leopard is universal and leopard was really complicated as an OS because of it and i think all that trade off stuff like they just did it a decade ago i'm not sure they want to do it again unless there's a really compelling reason and i'm not sure that control is enough of a reason quite yet yeah and especially a messy transition from intel to arm for new macs would be more of a problem for today's Apple than 10 years ago, you know, because they're a bigger company, the spotlight is always on Apple, they have more users, and 10 years ago, they could do that kind of, I wouldn't say rough transition, but still, for users like you, it still required a lot of knowledge, I would say. Today, it would need to be much more smoother and, you know, easy for all types of users if they don't want to you know, compromise the the basic idea that millions of people have that Macs work and that PCs have problems. They don't want to create the assumption that Macs are problematic because they spent the past 10 years positioning the Mac <laughs> as the fastest, easiest platform. Yeah. And do they want to change that? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to think about. And I think it's a topic that is just going to continue. I mean, the, you know, with the iPhone 6S, um, you know, it's it's benchmarking higher than ever. It's it's the iPad Pro. Obviously, when it comes out, is going to benchmark as the highest, fastest iOS device. And so, I think this will continue to be a topic until they do something, or uh, you know, until they say something definitive. Either way, do uh, do we want to close out the Apple Pay corner for me? Yeah, yes. we're going to put it to to bed for you forever. Yes. So, in the last couple weeks, I think we talked about it. Last week, I don't know. So my my local bank supports Apple Pay now, Hooray. and with with iOS nine, my credit card Finally. company also supports Apple Pay. Oh so wow! All all of my cards in the last two weeks have just gone from no Apple Pay to Apple Pay. But then uh, my debit card number was stolen <laughs> someplace <laughs> that didn't take Apple Pay, so I'm dealing with that. Um, which really has been an interesting experience. Like, um, and we've had it happen a couple of times over the years. But I'm always struck by just how ridiculous the system is that it's the same set of numbers. And if that set of numbers gets taken, like I have physical possession of my card, but the number was stolen and used and they racked up a bunch of basically took a bunch of money on my checking account before it got stopped. Um, That's how like old school and ridiculous that is. And how if Apple Pay was accepted everywhere, it wouldn't be a problem because the the one time use number and everything that, that we talked about in detail earlier so I'm um, 
I'm definitely going to be of the mind of any place that uses Apple Pay. I definitely will be using it. Um, having gone through all of this in like in like you know, <laughs> just the last couple of days, really re- reiterated to me that it's the current system we have in the states is so bad, and um, I'm looking forward to it being better. Yeah, it's weird. I always find it so weird using my credit card and debit card in America. It's just like an it's like going back in time. So strange. Yeah. Also, weirdly, I couldn't get Apple Pay to work when I was in Portland. Hmm. Which it doesn't make sense to me why that would be the case. Yeah, I I wonder if there's some sort of um uh region checking or something. I mean who who knows? Yeah, who knows? So, what else is on the docket for today? Well, iPhone pre order news and reviews are kind of come out before we recorded today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apple had a press release uh, where they announced a couple of interesting things fastest iOS adoption ever with more than 50% of devices already using iOS 9 as of uh, Monday, September 20th I think that's interesting uh, because I, I my uh, my feeling from just talking to people is that there is a general fear of upgrading to iOS now um, because you don't know what you're going to get is it going to be a new UI again? Is it going to break? So I think think that that's very interesting that that it's been such a high adoption rate. Um, so I guess Bravo Apple with what they've been doing there to to convince people that it's worth doing, and also another stuff about the iPhone 6s and 6s Plus pre-orders. So this is a quote from the press release: Customer response to the iPhone 6s and iPhone 6s Plus has been incredibly positive. We can't wait to get our most advanced iPhones ever into customers' hands starting this Friday," says Philip Schiller, <laughs> Philip, uh, Apple's senior <laughs> vice president of worldwide marketing. iOS 9 is also off to an amazing start, on pace to be downloaded by more users than any other software release in Apple's history. So. All around good news for iOS nine and the iPhones. I'm looking forward to picking mine up on Friday. I'm yeah, jealous. yeah, mine, mine's on a truck. I did the trick where you search your phone number, and so mine was in China when I looked it up yesterday. Um, did you guys see uh, that woman that uh, she got her phone already? And was just like running Geekbench yeah. on it and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like she was just giving all of this information away. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, she's at Moonshine Design on Twitter. I'll find a, a link. I think Mac Rumors wrote up a little bit about her. Um, I but she was doing stuff like she confirmed the RAM. She was running Geekbench scores. <laughs> it's hilarious. It was yeah, just she, she was just like completely just giving everything away. Uh, and she it, tweeted pictures. She had benchmarks. She provided the full resolution videos and photos yep. to Mac Rumors. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I wonder, I wonder if the 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 embargo for the reviews was modified in any way to account for all these unexpected details. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it feels like uh, not everybody was ready because a bunch of reviews that I expect to be out aren't yet. Or like they were staggering through today, but I don't know if that's just people's way that they do yeah. those types of things. But um, it d- it does seem a little bit rushed. It, it doesn't feel to in my mind like it's the Tuesday. It usually feels a little bit later in the week that they that they do the embargo. On oh, Wednesday, I think usually. Yeah. Well, look yeah, at that. So it's a day early. I saw someone on Twitter saying that uh, maybe Ben Ben Thompson on Twitter said that it was a day early than usual because they do it comes out on Friday and on Wednesday you get the reviews. That's what they usually do. Uh, 
So it's interesting. Maybe it's just a conspiracy theory, you know. Talking about reviews, uh, the only one that I've really taken a look at yet is The Verges, just because they make a great video. So for me, yeah. that's just the way I consume these things, because, you know, I just don't want to read it, because that's just how I am. Uh, and Neil's review, uh, his video review was great. Um, he spoke very highly about it, and uh, I thought I'd just give a, a, a quick overview for anybody that hasn't read it or doesn't want to. Uh, Neilai says to go plus, so it's a good news for all of us. Uh, bigger screen, bigger battery, better camera. And when you think of it that way, like that just makes sense to me. And his idea was of it was just like, why wouldn't you get the better one on specs? But I guess it depends on what you can put in your own hands. Uh, he thinks 3D touch will actually be really useful. It feels quite natural, better than force touch. Um, it is a big step and could potentially be a big step for interaction on iOS devices, but believes, and it makes sense, that it won't make true sense until third-party developers create their own design language and interaction methods that they use and the way that their apps communicate with it. Um, the better selfie camera is awesome and much improved, uh, and the back camera is great, but feels that, and from the photos that I've seen anyway, that the improvement isn't dramatic, but it is better, right? So if you like zoom in on the pictures, they look better, right? And, and they look better, but it's not like a huge jump in the photos. And live photos are interesting, it seems. Um, you it, it feels like that you kind of have to think differently about the way that you take pictures, right? Because he's saying a bunch of his live photos ended in him putting his phone away. Because <laughs> the video keeps going, right? Or whatever it's doing. So usually you like take the picture and put the phone down, which maybe isn't the way you'd want to do it. Um, they do take double the space of a regular photo. So Good. Yep. As Neilai suggested, which is probably what I'll do, which is exactly how I treat HDR as well, is to use it for the photos I want to be live photos. Yep. Yeah, I'm definitely that way with HDR. Yeah, taking a specific picture and being like, this is going to be uh, something I think I would want as a live photo. That's probably how I'll do it. I don't know but if you How do you decide? Picture. It sort of defeats the purpose of capturing a moment. Well, I mean, if it depends, time, right? It, it puts a cognitive load on you well, to assess every time whether you want to capture a moment or not. I can deal with that cognitive load. But it's the idea of being like, yeah, I might end up missing some great ones. But like, if I'm taking a picture of... So like, for example, if I'm taking a picture... Of, me currently, if I take a picture of a person, it tends to be a scenario that I would maybe want a live photo because I don't take pictures of people a lot, right? It's just because I don't have kids. I think it's when you have kids is when you start taking pictures of people all the time. Um, and or if I'm somewhere where I'm taking pictures of something that's moving, then I might want to do one. Or otherwise I might miss out on it, but I'm not sure if I want to double the size of my photo library going forward. Yeah, I worry too about the support of live photos. So it'll be iOS 9... And El Capitan, when it comes out uh, in about a week and a half. But they haven't said, like, and I haven't read, so maybe someone has said now, like, do these things just work in Finder? Because I'm still using Dropbox and folders. I'm not using the Photos app. Yeah, what happens to my backup? <laughs> I just end up with GIFs. That's all I have now. So am I stuck in Photos if I want to use these things? I do have kids, and I I do want to use this with them. I think, I mean, that the little example of, like, the, the little girl they used in the keynote who's, like, smiling thinks there's a flower or something. Like that just, that was like aimed straight straight at the dad in me, and uh, I want to I want to play with that, but I really don't want to use photos. And so, is it going to be a thing where like all my live photos are just sort of like shuttled off in the side and photos, and everything else I keep in Dropbox, or is this going to make me 
blow everything up again. I just I want to see how good the support is in OS ten because uh, I do worry, but that it may be half baked. You guys are still using Dropbox for photos. Yeah, I don't yep. use the Photos app. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. I've been I've been using Photo Library uh, with iCloud since since it launched, and it's been perfect for me. My entire I have all of my photos go in there, but I haven't put my entire library previously into uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. I guess it's really a decision of how safe you feel with, with a photo management services. Um, we're not going down this rabbit hole again. Well, I have a couple of things, right? So I have that, <laughs> right, that thing, right? You know, it, it, uh, the, the, the safety thing. But also, uh, I have this incredible legacy uh, account. I don't know if you heard this on Upgrade, uh, Federico. But I was look. I was thinking to myself a couple of weeks ago uh, that I don't recall paying for iCloud frequently, and I have this crazy legacy account from Mobile Me or Dot Mac where I pay. Uh, I pay seven pounds and ninety nine pence a year for twenty five gigabytes of storage space, mm-hmm. and I quite like doing that because. Uh, now I, so if I put all of my photos in, I'm going to start having to pay more for iCloud. And I also pay for Dropbox. So I'm going to have to keep... Like, I'll be paying more to put my photos in different places. Like That's one of the things. And then it's like, well, everything goes into Google Photos, which is free. And Google Photos, I find for me, is easier to search for pictures because they have their magical stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I just don't need my photos, all of my photos in another place. So I have iCloud Photo Library on but I haven't got my years and years of pictures in it. Mm, so I understand. It works for me. Yeah, because because you're using a Mac and the Google Photos uploader is all, is always working, yep, right? Yeah, exactly. It sits okay. in the menu bar yeah, and it see. just uploads and then I can get my images everywhere. Even though it kind of does this weird thing on my iPhone where it size tries to update and duplicate my photos. But it doesn't matter because I only use it for search anyway. So it, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if I have a million duplicates in there. It's not a problem for me. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That, that's so. I just don't. I don't have them all in there. So I agree with Stephen on the idea of what a live photo is going to actually look like as files. Yeah. So uh, underscore in the chat room is saying that they just show up as regular JPEGs, um, which is fine, but not as much fun. So I, I guess they won't be broken. I guess at best they just sort of degrade back to still images, huh. but. Um, in the in the Verge review, Nilay Patel says that that Apple is going to offer an API for developers to uh, properly display, I guess, live photos. So maybe apps like Google Photos and Dropbox will need to update to display uh, live photos. Otherwise, they'll just fall back to JPEG. That's my yeah. what I am what I understand right I, now. I really think that this, if if like Instagram does it, Facebook, Twitter. I think this could really take off. I mean, I could think this is one of those features that I think really could be a big deal. I think people are really going to enjoy it. It's going to be a little while, but um, I think we're going to see a lot of these. Uh, you know, sometimes Apple does something like, uh, I feel this way about news, like they did it, but their heart's not in it. And I feel like live photos is not that. The fact that it's, they made a big deal of it. It's built into the camera app, like, which everyone on the planet uses, I think it'll do. I think it'll do pretty well. I mean, I see HDR. I see. I see like regular like friends on Facebook post uh, panoramic images they take with their iPhone. Like people use this stuff, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it take off. I hope that it's it's adopted uh, more widely than just iOS nine and OS ten. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just wanna just wanted to add that the screenshots for my iOS 9 review were entirely managed with iCloud Photo Library. I would take a screenshot of my iPhone, uh, combine them with uh, with the workflow, and yeah. then just wait for for the iPad to, which is almost instant, basically to pull down photos from the cloud and upload them from my iPad. It worked really, really well. Uh, for work purposes. I did have a weird thing the other day. I opened an image that I wanted to edit for a presentation that I'm working on. And uh, I edited the image in Visco on my iPhone. And I put mm-hmm. it back into iCloud Photo Library. And then it, for some reason, iCloud Photo Library on my Mac, not on my iPhone. On my iPhone, it just showed up most recent. But on my Mac, it observed the original posting, the original picture date. It was very strange. So I had to like trawl through my library to find it. But there you go. It's just a weird thing that I found. The iPhone and the iPad recognized that it had just been created in an app, but the Mac thought that it was taken some time in July. I know that Photos is getting an update in uh, El Capitan. I wonder if there's weirdness around that. Yeah, could be, could be. Should take another break? do it yeah this week's episode of connected is also brought to you by fracture fracture is the company that will take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to proudly display or give as gifts the team over at fracture really wanted us to say a huge thank you to all of you who have been giving fractures as gifts and giving them as a chance to print your own photos to display on your own walls as well as we said before we love fracture and we love the prints that they create it's been great working with them and i personally love seeing the photos of the awesome prints that you've all made. People send pictures to us on Twitter of their Fracture prints, and I love seeing it. And so does Fracture as well. Uh, Because the team at Fracture is super passionate about helping people display and celebrate their memories and accomplishments with the beautiful glass prints that they produce. And we love that you're helping support them and us by doing it. But there's something I need to tell you. You need to listen up. We've mentioned this before. Every Fracture is hand-assembled and printed in their... Uh, production place in Gainesville, Florida that they call the Fractury, which as a pun master, I love so much. Mm-hmm. But with the holidays coming up, because they make them by hand, they specifically requested that we mention that if you are considering or you have the idea or the notion that you would like to give a Fracture or two as a gift this December, you should really actually start thinking about making that order very soon. Because they print them by hand, their factory gets really rammed up at that time of year. And because fractures really do make awesome gifts for family or friends. So, rescue those photos that are hidden away on your devices and pick a few to have on show. This is the way you should be doing it. Head on over to FractureMe.com to learn more and get started. And if you use the code CONNECTED, you'll not only get yourself 15% of your first order, you'll also be helping support this show. Once again, big thanks to Fracture for supporting Relay FM and don't forget to send us your pictures of your fractures when you get them. So uh, we alluded to it earlier. Federico, your iOS 9 review has come out. It came out a week ago. How did it go? How does? It, how are you feeling? Do you want to do it again? It was, it was exhausting in the end. Um, but I'm very, very happy. Um not just because of the the, the performance of the review. Um, basically, in in two days, we did what we usually do in a month on the site. So that was awesome. Um, and and I believe that pagination, of course, helped a lot uh, when it comes to traffic to the website because people, of course, are you know 
uh, moving across multiple pages. Uh, but that's not the metric that I use to measure my happiness with the review. Um, the, the best part was uh, reading of all you know these people from around the world, reading the review, discovering things, uh, making you know annotations. Um, and sharing pictures of them reading the review in unusual places. I got pictures from readers uh, enjoying the review while eating pasta, others while drinking wine. I love and that seeing makes those. Me, <laughs> that makes me really happy. And just getting feedback from people on Twitter, uh, you know, it, it always warms my heart. And it makes those three months of hard work really worth the effort. And... Of course, seeing the, the, the actual, you know, consequence and effect on the site also helps. But really, the response from readers is what makes me really happy to have done this. So it's, it's obvious for me to keep doing this for the next, I would say, few years. I wouldn't say several years, but I, I am going to keep doing this. And I want to make a few tweaks here and there to tweak the format. Uh, there's some things that I, that I probably should have covered, uh, other things that I want to change, you know, the screenshots are presented. And so I'm going to do it next year, basically. And I'm going to do it the, the year after that. I don't want to say that I'm going to do this for 10 years like John did, um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, definitely, I need to keep doing this for at least a couple of years, you know, to get better. Um, I'm, I was also very happy with the response to uh, the ebook version that is bundled with the Club Maxoris subscription. Uh, that was awesome. We basically had another launch day uh, when the review came out. And people really responded to the idea of having an ebook version. And Mike, you were absolutely right in me having to offer an EPUB version of the, as a downloadable uh, ebook, uh, because readers, when it comes to an article this size, uh, especially when it's you know when it offers technical information, uh, the kind of API details in a few sections, uh, readers really want to really want to be able to highlight, annotate, make notes and comments. So that was really I, I'm thankful, Mike, for you pushing me to do this as an e, as an ebook. Um, the year of Mike so was yeah. where it continues. Yes, it continues also business wise. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mike is always right in any case. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm I'm really happy. I'm happy. I'm, uh, I feel like the I didn't feel I didn't feel weird the moment that I published. I sort of it sort of hit me uh, the day after, and maybe even during the night when I realized I'm not gonna spend the night editing and writing and putting together screenshots until seven a.m. again. I can go to bed because it's done and. Uh, the, the few hours after publishing the review were sort of hectic and crazy, uh, you know, fixing a few typos, responding to people's emails for, the, for Club Mac stories. But during the night, when I realized I'm done, that's when I felt really a sense of accomplishment, as a, as a personal accomplishment. You know, I felt happy that I was done. Um, 
but I'm already thinking about what to do next year. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll see at WWDC. I'll probably use the same strategy. I'm going to start taking notes, uh, doing research as soon as WWDC ends. I'm going to work on a couple of articles before writing the review to kind of test the waters, test my style, uh, make sure that I still got it. So I do a couple of articles after WWDC, and then I use that research to the bigger you know, goal of putting together a review. Uh, for next year, and me and my girlfriend talked about that, um, I got to find a better work-life balance. And, and, I, and, I, and I realized that uh, in, in, in some, on a few occasions, writing this review was a, was a, you know, a problem for maintaining relationships, getting out of the house. There was a week where I, where I basically never left the house to make sure that I could finish this in time. And I don't want to repeat this next year. So I should be better prepared um, when it comes to finishing a bit early or, you know, avoiding Twitter completely. Because I, f I feel that the days when I was the most anxious and nervous were the days when I checked Twitter for a couple of hours. And that sort of distraction, even though I tried to eliminate Twitter and RSS from these past three months, that sort of minimal distraction every day, that needs to be removed. I need to be completely focused. I need to accept the fact that we have a small team. Other people need to take care of the website. If I want to do this sort of big launch with a big review i need to be heads down completely focus on that and avoid facebook avoid twitter avoid reddit and just spend three months of my life on this so next year i need to get better also for work-life balance i need to uh, make the final section with everything else and all the other details a little more in depth and with more screenshots and I need to, you know, maybe find a better flow for some sections. But overall, I would give myself a seven this year. And <laughs> it's yeah. just the review of the review. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm evaluating my own performance, and and, and I feel like uh, maybe if I wanna be, if I wanna be uh, a, a benevolent reviewer, I would say a seven and a half. Okay. Uh, next year, I'm shooting for the eight. So we'll see how it goes. I have a few years to get better, you know, and I feel like this is a solid foundation for me to improve upon. Uh, we'll see. Thank you for that, Federico. Um, I want to talk about the Apple TV a little bit, but before we do that, actually, let me take our last sponsor break for this week and thank our friends over at Igloo for sponsoring this week's episode. They make the internet that you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client's site, and have access to the latest version of a file from home, even if you're in your pajamas, because nobody's going to know you're at home and you're on your igloo it's perfectly fine these days everything is mobile and your work should be too and when we say that that's like you want to be able to use your intranet from your iphone from your lovely new iphone that you're picking up this week with igloo you can because everything that they build is responsive it's all responsive design so you'll be able to use it from absolutely any device and it's going to look fantastic as well because you can customize it to look exactly as you like and you can also customize the functionality and give certain teams uh, their own group spaces so 
so they have all of the functions that they need, nothing more, nothing less, which is a great way of making sure that everybody stays productive, but also can keep things relevant depending on how they like to work in their team. Also, with our mobile lives these days, people are bringing in their own apps as storage solutions because they want to use uh, documents on their devices, stuff like Box, Google Drive and Dropbox. If people start putting these documents on their own personal accounts, it can lead to all kinds of security issues, which is why Igloo allows you to integrate all of these services into one big, easy-to-secure platform. If you know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations, then you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is. Is. And you can also share files of your coworkers using their own document preview engine. It has read receipts built right in, so you can all make sure you're on the same page of who has read critical information and who hasn't, which is a really good way of getting people to make sure that they've read the stuff that they have to to keep everything running swimmingly in your business. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you like. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show and Relay FM. So the Apple TV dev units have been sent out to people. Um, and Ooh. because of that, there are some uh, people posting information and stuff like that online about them. And we actually got uh, an email from a person who we will call Bob, um, who has one of these Apple TV dev units. And they provided a bunch of information, which, you know, some of it was really interesting. Some of it was stuff that we knew, but like confirming things worked in a certain way. But there were some points that I wanted to bring up, which I found quite interesting. Um, and so I just wanted to highlight those and maybe we could talk about them as we go through. So uh, one of the things that Bob pointed out is that the screensavers, you know, they spoke about those screensavers, like the, that looked like images, but were actually videos. They were like subtly moving and changing time of day and stuff like that. They were taking them at different locations around the world. Mm-hmm. Apparently they are really cool and look amazing, but I wonder, do people actually do this with their TV? Do they leave their TV on? Like just there on? Do people do that? I don't think so, right? Like I'm trying to think who needs that. So we've got uh, an Apple TV now in the living room and very often if we're listening, we listen to a lot of music on it and the TV has to stay on for the music to to work. And so right now the screensaver on Apple TV is just like family vacation photos uh, synced over from iTunes. And so I think All right, I think that makes sense. the music, uh, I think it's, it stays on. But um, I think overall I would imagine that People may see the screensaver from time to time, but I don't see people like leaving it on all day just to look at these things. We do, we don't do screensavers. In fact, our TV is mostly turned off. Yeah, this They're is this turned... is why I'm I'm thinking this, Federico. I'm the same as you. Like my TV's also because off. because I time. think it's a huge waste of energy to just yeah. keep the display on all the time. But mostly, Mike, I want to ask you why Bob. Can I call him with another with a fancier name? Can I call him Carlos? Okay, well, for Carlos now. He'll be Carlos. Okay. I just went Thank with the, the easiest, most nondescript name, so I went with Bob. But Carlos is also good. So Thank you. Uh, Carlos uh, goes on to say that the Apple Music app seems pretty good. It has all of the functions that you'd need and want. It doesn't have sharing built in, uh, but everything's in there, like For You and Beats One, all that stuff. But this is what this is what I find really interesting about that. So Siri Search works with video, sports scores, and weather only. It doesn't work with Apple Music. 
Oh no, why? I don't know. <laughs> like so this is this is how it is currently. Who knows what it will be when it comes out, but this is how it currently is. So if you select an album, for example, you're in the Apple Music app and you select an album and you say play this to Siri. Siri says, "Sorry, I can't do that for you here, but I can help you with movies, TV, sports and weather uh-huh. if you ask." So it's the play command. It gets confused when you say play. Seems that way. Because I, I would guess that it associates play with movies and TV shows. So if you say, I don't know, play Oasis, what if you have a movie that is, that is also called Oasis? I guess it would let you choose. Maybe that's the problem right now. They don't have either the UI or another set of commands for it. So maybe it's just disabled right now. I well, but this is where it gets weirder, right? Okay. <laughs> In that regard. So... <laughs> There is a separate search app where you can uh, where you can use the trackpad to scrub among letters, right, and type in stuff. The search results include movies, TV, and cast and crew. No music. That's uh, seems a little problematic. <laughs> that, that that seems a little unfinished. It feels honestly. so. So Carlos said it kind of feels like that the music app was made and dropped in separately. You like think so? it's there and it works, but it doesn't. It's not integrated with the system, like it's just an app. It's strange because on iOS nine, the it's search APIs are plugged into the, 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 the music app. You can search for a song name and you can start playing from the search results. So they have the system in place on iOS. Hey, maybe it's just not done on the TV. Uh, I've just looked at Carlos's original note to me, and I cut something out when I pasted it in. Uh, if you search with Siri for music doesn't mm-hmm. return results yeah it, it may just be that to Federica's point it's not all hooked up yet i mean all of this needs to be taken except for the hardware with a grain of salt yep that it's is it done of course but it, sure i mean surely they will but it could be with, done it with, could be done what this is the thing. we actually no don't music. know right now this is could be done it this might be it right we don't know like we can take it with a grain of salt but this might be it right we don't know it could it could be could be. Or Carlos doesn't listen to music. But it just seems strange to me that even in this state, it wouldn't be working. Like, why Why would Why would the movie stuff be working, but not the music? Anyway, uh, fast-forwarding video works well, but is limited. So you have to pause the video and then swipe with the trackpad to fast-forward. And the preview box above the scrubber doesn't update in real time, which will make John Syracuse really sad. It only shows a thumbnail of the video at the point where you stop scrubbing, which kind of seems... Pointless, because then surely the video will have updated on the screen. Hold on, why is John upset? Can you repeat this? So I remember he was talking on ATP about this a long time ago about like real time previewing. Oh, the preview doesn't update in real time. Yeah, it just—it's not until you stop scrubbing and then it shows you that. Um, the remote. So the back of the new remote is aluminium and kind of looks a little bit like the fifth gen iPod Touch finish. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's. I've, I'll put some pictures in the show notes. It's slightly longer than the old one, uh, maybe three millimeters or so larger. The remote trackpad click is a physical click. It's not force touch, so you can actually see it moving. So there's it a moves, tap yeah. and a click. And the difference between a tap and a click is that a click selects an item, whereas a tap is for navigation and is an alternative to swiping. So, for example, if you tap on the left side of the little trackpad, it will move the section one spot to the left or tap on the right edge to move up a row of icons, for example. So it like it, you can swipe or tap to move around and then click to select. 
So they were the most interesting things to me, like some additional details about the remote and the interesting music uh, functionality. Yeah. My thought, my thought of the remote is sort of like the 3D touch thing on the on the iPhone, which trying to describe it or talk about it is hard. And then if you use it, it seems everybody who's used it has talked about it makes a lot of sense and it, it's very sort of natural and you're not going to accidentally trigger it. And my, my guess is that the Apple TV re- remote is probably like that as well, where it's like we got into a debate about like tap versus clicking and like uh, all this stuff. And my guess is that once it's in your hand, the physical feedback is what makes all the difference. And uh, at least I'm hoping that's the case. And I think that's the case with the force touch or 3d touch stuff. And I mean, I can't imagine that they would design a brand new remote and then it'd be uh, ambiguous as to what you were doing on it, you know, when you're using it. So hopefully it's, it's one of those things where it's all about the feel and the hand and, the words around it are just uh, difficult to to use. Yeah, from the way that Carlos described it, it kind of makes sense to me. Like that that clicked in my brain anyway. Like there is a tap Mike, and there is a click. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about getting an Apple TV? Not in any stretch of the imagination, no. And I ask you because I believe me and you are kind of similar in yeah. our. Uh, TV consumption habits. We don't have kids. We don't. We don't need the TV to put the kids in front of the TV and just say, you know, watch something. Uh, we use TVs as displays for consoles, and we watch movies on our MacBooks. Yep. And that's why I ask you. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, uh, see, I don't even really want one. Like, mm-hmm. I will probably get one because it's not that expensive, and it's a platform that I want to be. Uh, that I want to know about properly now. Yes, like previously, exactly. the Apple TV, like I didn't need to care about it. Like there was nothing there that was interesting. It's just another. It was just another view for iTunes, effectively. Yeah. Like yeah. it didn't do anything that was specific. Yeah. But now with the apps, it's like a platform that might be meaningful. Um. So I feel like I should get one just so I can install the interesting apps that that come up. But yeah. I can't see myself using it for anything that I don't currently use all of the other smart connected devices to my TV. Like for, for media consumption and stuff like that, like many of my games consoles can do a lot of the same kind of stuff. Like for example, watching Netflix, but I still watch Netflix on my laptop in bed instead anyway, or plug my laptop into a TV in the rare instances that we want to do that. Um, it's just not really a thing that I'm too massively interested in right now. Maybe that will change over time. I'm sure it will change over time. Uh, but I just right now don't really care mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. I wanted this answer. You provided this answer. Thank you for this answer, Mike. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted. You are excited about this. I am professionally curious about the Apple TV. That's what I, I would say. Okay. Steven, I guess he's excited. <laughs> we use our Apple TV all the time, um, uh, especially with the kids. But even if the, after the kids go to bed or they're you know doing something else, it's really a nice interface for for Netflix and for YouTube and stuff. So we don't we don't have a console hooked up to the TV. I do have a Mac Mini hooked up to the TV, although I think that's getting ready to change. Um, so for us, it is really like. We don't have cable. It is the way things get onto our TV. So we use it, like I said, a lot for music listening. Um, and we use it a lot for for streaming stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I will be 
I'll be ordering when they when they show up because it gets so much use. Uh, I do have some sort of lingering questions around the durability of the remote. I mean, we've joked about everyone who has an Apple TV loses their remotes at some point, but like our remotes also get like you know fall off the couch and and get tossed around and like you know run over and. I uh, I hope that the thing is tough enough to take some abuse because I would imagine that it's going to be uh, more expensive than the than the current one. I think the current one's either nineteen or twenty nine dollars to replace. I think nineteen. Uh, my guess is this one will be more, and uh, I just hope that it's it's pretty durable because you know remotes get abused and and lost and and beat up. So I feel like it will probably still take a beating, but it won't be as durable as the previous one. No way. Yeah, I mean, looking at it on the website, I mean, the top, you know, third of it or something is this multi-touch yeah. uh, panel, and, and I imagine that that could crack at some point. But um, And there's a microphone in there that could get dislodged. Like, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff going on in here, yeah, for sure. So that was that. I guess, uh, potentially, Carlos may provide some additional follow-up based on our... <laughs> on our discussion today, but we'll see. I appreciate Carlos's uh, information. Mm. He slid under the door to me. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Also, oh, cool name, Carlos. Yeah, very Thank cool. You. Very cool name. Much better than Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to pick a fake name. Pick a cool one. Good point. All right. Do we want to talk about anything else today, or are we set? I think I'm think set. good. Okay, yeah. great. Cool. If you want to catch our show notes online, there's a great place that you can do that. Head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 58 if you'd like to find us all online. So there's a few good places you can do that. Um, you can find Stephen. He is at ISMH on Twitter and at 512pixels.net. Federico is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. And he is over at macstories.net. Uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I would love it if you would check out a new show that I'm doing with Tom and Dan at Studio Neat called Thoroughly Considered, which is all about uh, product design and bringing a product into market. So I think you might enjoy that. So go check that out. Episode one is out now. Um, And thanks again to our sponsors this week, the fine people over at Igloo, Fracture, and Smile. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.